Okay, let's begin our discussion of this year's Parsha's Miketz, Tushin Ayin Beis. And uh, as we usually have, there will be some in Yoni Hanukkah as well. A couple of thoughts on the Parsha, and then two thoughts related to uh, Hanukkah, which we are celebrating tonight, the second night of this uh, Yantif of Hanukkah. Start off with one uh, just small, short thought. Perak Mem Gimel, Pasik Lamid Dalid. If you remember, we have one of the most exciting Parshas in the entire in the entire Torah. Yosef is in Mitzrayim, and the brothers, uh, Yosef has, by Shvi'i, Yosef has tremendous Rachmanus on his, on his brothers, by Yavakesh Levkos, he's about to cry, he has to run. Again, one of the only parshas in the Torah, which is, uh, ends off with a cliffhanger. We don't even know what's gonna be until the end of the, the beginning of the next parsha. But, the Torah describes that he, Yosef, puts Binyamin separately. He separates, I'm sorry, he separates uh, the brothers from the Mitzrayim. And the Pasuk Lamedalid says the Torah, He gives Binyamin five times the amount of the portion that he gives all the other brothers. And they drink together, says Rashi. Since the day that Yosef had been sold, the brothers had not drunk wine. And Yosef had not drunk wine until this moment, when Yosef served them wine and they all drank together. That's what Rashi says. Asks in the Mayanashal Torah, Nakav Chain asks, What changed? They didn't drink wine for all these years because they were in Avelus. They didn't know what Yosef was. Yosef didn't know where his brothers were. So, okay, you can explain right now that Yosef drank because he saw his brothers. But the brothers, Lachara, didn't know who Yosef was yet. And then they're drinking. So, what are they celebrating? We read the Rashi over and over again. We don't ask the questions. They didn't know anything yet. The story didn't end yet. They didn't know it was Yosef yet. So why exactly were they drinking? So the Kavchein says, Baram, they weren't drinking because they were celebrating getting back together. It was a totally different focus. They were happy for some reason, but not because of what we think. It's connected to the first half of the Pasuk. What does the first half of the Pasuk say? They, the Yosef gave Binyamin extra portions. How did the brothers feel about that? When Binyamin got more than the other brothers and they weren't jealous inside, the brothers then realized that they had conquered that Mido. They had overcome their feelings of jealousy. They had reached the level of Ezeu Ashir HaSameach B'Chelkam. That they were, okay, Binyamin got more. Everybody gets what they're supposed to get. They get, we don't care. So, hevinu shekfartiknu was chet mechiras Yosef, shebaketotza'ah mekina. You're right, they didn't have Yosef back. You know what they did realize? They realized that they perfected Amida. They had been trying to work on it for so many years. Vayikano bo'aviv. They perfected that from last parsha. Lachem kfar yachlu lishtos yayin. The brothers were celebrating that they were able to perfect Amida that they had been working on. How do we measure our spiritual attainments in life? How do we measure how we're doing? It's easy. It's tangible to measure. If we finish a masechta, if we're studying something, if we did this, if we did that. But sometimes, most of the time, we don't focus. 
But maybe we should focus more on the midos that we're working on. And if there's a situation that comes up that we do better than we did the previous time, we could feel good about ourselves and realize it's time for celebration. As Rabbi Sosalantar said, we quoted in the past, it's harder to conquer and to perfect one midah than it is to learn all of Shas. Which even if you don't miss a day, it takes seven and a half years to conquer one midah. That's what the brothers were celebrating. They were celebrating perfecting the midah of getting over and not being jealous for their brother. Okay, that connects the first half of the second half of the Pasuk. Now we go back in the Parsha to an earlier, to an earlier stage. Perak Membez, Pasuk, Chaf, Dalet. The brothers come to Yosef. Im Kenim Atem, says Yosef, by Chamishi, Pasuk Yotes, Achichem Echad Yeser, Bebez Mishpachem. If you are telling the truth, I'm keeping one brother. V'yatem l'chu ha'viyu sheva rabo batechem and then go back and bring the food to your elderly father and to everyone else you have. V'esachichem ha'katota v'yu elai. And you have to bring your little brother to me. V'yayamnu divrechem v'lo samusu. Then I will know you're telling the truth. V'yasuchein. V'yamur yishalachiv and the brothers start complaining to each other. Avalashim imanachno alachido asharidu b'sarah s'nafsho b'zchado eleidu. Interestingly, they never feel bad about selling him. They feel bad about not having compassion. That's why this story is happening. They're connecting their, their problematic behavior earlier. And Ruben says, I told you. And they didn't realize that Yosef heard. Yosef turns around. He takes Shimon away and he puts Shimon in jail. And Yosef says, okay, go, take food, go back. I'll see you in the future. Asks the father of the Binyan Shlomo, Rav Yivilna, we've quoted from him before, the beginning of his Shuvah Sefer, he has 15 pages of Chidushim al Torah from his father. Right, 150 years ago. So he quotes, Yosef, what was the purpose of Yosef taking away a brother? What, to guarantee that they would come back? Yosef knew there was no food. They'd come back anyway. So what was the purpose of taking a brother? Okay, Chazal say to separate Shimon and Levi, but Yosef knew. You have a whole city. They were ready. It wasn't like Shechem, who were, who were hurting, who were the, the element of surprise. So asks the Binyan Shlomo's father, L'chora, Tzarech L'havin, source number two. Me'ezetam, Ratzah Yosef, Litvos, Echad, Me'echad, Eslobi Mitzrayim. What was the purpose? You want to take it as a as a security. You got to come back. So if I take your brother, you're going to come back. Yosef knows there's no food anywhere. He knows the prophecy. He knows what's going to happen. So what do you have to take the brother away? He's calling, causing them more pain. It's the come up. You sold me, so I'm going to take your brother away from you. Shimon and Levi were the ones that threw him into the pit. That's what's happening here? We can't say that. This is already Yosef HaTzadik. He's not Yosef the Na'ar anymore. This is Yosef being Mechalka of the world. So he says, why did he take him? So he says, my father gave an insightful thought. Yosef is using simple logic. Simple strategy. Yosef ultimately wants to see his brother very badly. His maternal brother. He wants to see Binyamin. 
He has to see Binyamin. He knows that his father's not going to let Binyamin go. He knows how painful it's going to be. He knew that Yaakov loved Rachel. Rachel was his favorite. And that's why the brothers hated him too. See, he knew that Yaakov was not going to want to let Binyamin go. Maybe something's going to happen by Derech. So Yosef thinks to himself, how can I get Binyamin down here? And how can I guarantee that it's really Binyamin? How can I make sure that they don't just get some stranger off, off the street and say, this is Binyamin? How do I know that's, that's not going to happen? That's what Yosef's Chachma was here. V'lochein line 11. Chashash Yosef. Deshema Yiskerechem Ashuk. They'll get somebody off the street, some stranger. This is Binyamin. They'll get the same age. We'll talk about how old he was. He won't be able to contradict them. He has no idea. Just like we said, the Chazal say that the brothers didn't recognize Yosef because Yosef didn't have a beard when he left, and the others did. So, so too, Yosef's not going to recognize Binyamin. Right? He was a little kid. He was, he was much younger. That's why he took a brother. Why did he take a brother? Because now, of course, they're going to come back anyway. But this way, what is he going to do? He's going to take the man that they're going to say is Binyamin separately and show them to the brother in jail and say, who is this guy? They have no idea. The brother in jail is not going to have any idea why Yosef is asking who this is. It could be an Egyptian. It could be anybody. That's how I'm going to make sure that this is really Binyamin. If they bring somebody from the Shuk, I'm going to bring him to the jail. I'm going to ask Shimon. Right, he doesn't know any better. They're not going to know. The brother of jail is not going to know the whole story. And that's why Yosef Dafka uses this plan to get... Get Binyamin down to down to Mitzrayim and to make sure that he knows it is it is Binyamin. That's just a simple pashup shot. Why did he do it? It makes sense because if not, they could have tricked him. Yosef does this plan in order to be able to be certain that the person that will be brought in front of him will be his brother, will be his brother Binyan. Okay. Now we get to a very problematic Pasuk. We've dealt with this in the past. Um, we'll give a couple of approaches in the Mepharshim, but at the end of the day, it could be that the questions are going to be better than the answers. But we have to keep searching, because it's somewhat of an unusual phrasing that the, one of the Shvatim gives. As we know, the brothers go back to Canaan and they start draining their, their food supply and slowly, slowly there's nothing left. And the brothers know that you know, there's going to be a time where Yaakov tells, is going to tell them to go down and they're going to say, Binyamin, you can't take him. They know they're working towards that. Says Yaakov Avinu. Perak men beis pasak lamed vav. Vayomar lehem Yaakov avihem. Yaakov tells them, Osishi Kaltem, you have made me barren. You have made me barren. Yosef Einanu, Vishimon Einanu. Even though he was mad at Shimon, obviously, 
for still earlier, and also at the end he doesn't give the bracha, but it's still his son. Yosef Einanu, Veshimon Einanu, Ves Binyamin Tikachu, you're going to take Binyamin? Aliyah Yukulana, upon me will be all these tragedies? I can't deal with it, says Yaakov. I can't, you can't take Binyamin. You can't part with him. It's too much pain, the youngest, the real Ben Zakunim. Even though Yosef has called that. I can't deal with it, says Yaakov. We discussed in the past the Alai, the Gra. Vayomer Ruvain al Ruvain steps in. Ruvain steps in and says, Abba, I guarantee I'm taking responsibility that he's going to come back. It's on my shoulders. What does Ruvain say? Vayomer Ruvain al Es shnei banai tamis. You could kill my two sons in Moabiyanuelacha. If I don't bring Binyamin back, you could feel free to kill my two sons, says Ruvain. To know I guarantee by the life of my two sons. And if I don't bring Binyamin back, feel free to do whatever you want with my two sons. Give him to me and I'll take and I'll take uh so Yaakov's not too happy with that 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 uh, offer. No, no, that's not good enough. Interesting now, he says, it switched. Earlier it says Yosef Enenu. Now it's Achiv Meis. Right? His brother died, says Yaakov about Yosef. A son is going to happen. I'm going to go down. I'm going to go to my grave bereaving of my two, bereft of my two children. So Yaakov refuses Ruvain's offer. What kind of offer was that? Right? Chazal tell us that Yaakov called Ruvain a Bechar Shotah. What kind of fool are you? What, they're your children? They're not my grandchildren? Yeah, you could kill my two sons. What, I'm going to kill my two grandsons? What is Ruvain talking about here? Ruvain's going to say, my two sons? So Yaakov refuses... And of course, Vaharav Kaved Baaretz, the famine gets heavier and heavier, and the food runs out, and then Yehuda steps in. Just as a Ha'ara, I think this is mentioned in the past, but throughout these parshios, throughout this parshios, it's fascinating to watch the interplay between Reuven and Yehuda. Those are the two leaders of the Shvatim. Sometimes Reuven is stepping in. By the sale of Yosef, Reuven and Yehuda are the players. Here, Reuven and Yehuda are the players. Throughout the Sefer, these two brothers are vying for the leadership role. So Reuven tries something, but it obviously didn't work. And we have to figure out what he was offering. But then Yehuda steps in. The man told us, don't come back. Without the your youngest brother, Abba, we're not going. We're not going until we have Binyamin. We're not going. He didn't make any offers. If you don't stand, we're not going down. Vayomer Yisrael. Switch to Yisrael here. Interestingly, Why would you tell the man they have another brother? So he says, we didn't know. He asked us. And now Yehuda says something that is accepted by Yaakov. Send it with me. I guarantee. We're all going to live. And then Yehuda says, the source 
for the Hawacha of Arev in, in the Torah, being a cosigner, being a the responsible party, Anochi Ervenu, Miyadi Tavakshenu. I'm responsible. Miyadi, Miyadi Tavakshenu. If I don't bring him to you and present him in front of you, Right, I, I will sing to you all the days. Unusual phrase. What does that mean? All the days? We'll see Rashi soon. Kilule is mamanu. Because, Dad, Abba, we could have been back already. Kilule is mamanu. Kiatashabu. Zephamayim. We could have been back twice already. Lule is mamanu. By the way, that's some point out that's backwards. Elo. Lule is mamanu. We delay. You know, you could have done it already. We just got to capitalize. Lule is mamanu. So the question is, what was Ruvain offering? His two sons? What, what kind of offer is that? What is Ruvain trying to say? So two thoughts. Two thoughts, maybe three thoughts. First, from the Arachayim HaKadosh. Arachayim HaKadosh, one always has to look in. Rabbi Isaac Bernstein, quote in the past, he calls him the Ramban of the Achronim. Arachayim, he always asks the, the simple, straightforward questions and comes up with, with the frameworks to deal with the issues. Arachayim, source number three. Why is this? Niskaveh Lomar line two. Kilo hotzi mi piv doverzeh beferish bishum kil las chacham. Elo Amar dibur shamuvami menu. He's a, I'm sorry, the fourth line. Vaomer eshne pirish bez mehanim saim. Kidalid hayulo. He's going to answer some of the problems, but not all of it. Two sons he offers. Why? Because he has two other sons. If you know the psukim from uh, later, right, Reuben had four sons. So he says, two sons, v'yamru tamis ta'anish. Don't take, say, take tamis so literally. They could be punished. What does that mean? Just like by Aaron Cohen, he lost two of his sons. So t- later in history, Reuven says, you could offer two sons. What does that mean? Why did Reuven offer two sons? He does not deal with the issue of what kind of father offers two sons. That we're going to get to after. But specifically, why two sons? Reuven doesn't want to ruin his mitzvah. And at least according to one opinion, two sons is the mitzvah of Puravu. I'll ruin my olam hazeh, says Reuven. But my olam hava, I don't want to affect the mitzvahs. That's why he stops at two. I'm ready to give up my olam hazeh, says Reuven. Meaning, I'll lose a child, or something that a parent, parent has such difficulty, maybe never can get over. Reuven says, I'm willing to give up two sons to guarantee that you know that I'm serious, Abba. But it wasn't enough. For Yaakov to guarantee that until Yehuda comes. And what does Yehuda say according to Chazal? Yehuda sees this conversation. And he sees that Yaakov wasn't happy. So he thinks to himself, what can I offer more? What can I offer? Reuven says he's basically giving up his olamazeh. What, what's giving up olamazeh? What's a person's most prized possessions? His children. Children are, the, are man's most prized possessions. He says, I've got his could do whatever he wants with my children if I don't bring him back. He's offering everything he can. That's only Olam Hazeh. Yehuda says, I'm ready to offer my Olam Haba as well. That's what Yehuda does. More than Ruvain. V'yamar, v'chatasi lavi kolayamim. 
What does Rashi say over there? Kol hayamim. Pasuk tes. Rashi says, Olam haba. All the days I'll bear this guilt. I'll bear this unfulfilled responsibility for eternity. Yehuda knew he had to go one step further than his brother Ruvain, and therefore he even offers his Olam Haba. Yaakov says, okay. Somebody's ready to give their, their eternity, so then I'm ready. That's what Yehuda offered that Ruvain did not. One idea answers some of the questions. Not totally. You could say we pass in life a You have to have a boy and a girl. And you only have two boys. Okay. It's before Mount Torah. This is the Arachayim HaKadosh. <coughs> but then we have a second idea said by the Chassam Sofer. If you look in the back of the last few pages, you know the Chassam Sofer has chuvis on all four Chalakim of Shulchan Aruch. In the back of Arachayim. End of Arachayim, he has a few pages. Miscellaneous thoughts. So there, in the miscellaneous thoughts, he deals with this problem. This is the problem. Source number four. He says, Sovar Achayim. The question that you asked me about Ruvain is, is a huge question. I can't make, I can't make sense of it. Says the Chassam Sofer, what exactly is Ruvain offering? Offering his sons? And Chazal say, again, he's going to talk about it, but let's just mention now, Chazal say that Yaakov says to Ruvain, Chasid Shoteh, Banecha Heim Velo Banai? They're your sons and they're not my sons, they're my grandsons. What are you offering? So the Chassam Sofer has a totally different shot of what's happening here. Says the Chassam Sofer. The Gemara says in Meseches Baba Basra, Pasik in Shlach, Kalev and Yoshua, the Pasuk says, Chayu min ha'anashim. They lived from the men. What is Chayu min ha'anashim? They lived, you're right, the other ten, ten Miraglim were killed. They died. Right, but what do you mean they lived min ha'anashim? So Chazal say, Chayu min ha'anashim, they got their chilek of Eretz Yisrael. That's what Chayu min ha'anashim means. In Life is getting a portion of Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Achayim, getting a portion of Eretz Yisrael, that's called life. Nimsa, says the Chassam Sofer. Then we think of the opposite. If living is getting a portion of Eretz Yisrael, which has its own beautiful hashkafic ramifications, Discussed a couple of years ago the Eben Ezra and Parsha Vayishlach, where he quotes Misha Kona Chelik Eretz Yisrael Kona Chelik Ba'olam Haba. Says the Chassam Sofer, if living is receiving an extra portion of Eretz Yisrael, Nimsa Misha Mavsted Chelik Eretz Yisrael Nikra Misa. So then the opposite is also true. If somebody loses their portion in Eretz Yisrael, that's called death. Ki Yediyas Ha'hefechim Echad, because opposites are true. So let's think about this now for a minute. Says the Chazam Sofer, what did Ruvain mean by saying you could kill my two sons? He's not talking about killing two sons. We're talking about the shiftei But it's Ruvain at this point didn't realize yet, or still, that he wasn't the Bechar. He was the Bechar biologically. So he still thought that he has a double portion. Like a Bechor. 
He thought that his two sons are going to get. Not like Yosef, which happened in the end. Yosef had was shaved, it was split into two, and they got two portions. Ruby thinks that his shaved is going to be split into two, to have two portions. Ephraim read the declaration of Ephraim Menashe, Kimu Bishimon lead us later in the Torah. At this point, who says Yosef's going to get the Bechar? Yes, Yosef was the favorite son. But Reuben didn't take that to, to mean that he's going to get the double portion. So when Reuben offers two sons, he's saying, I'll forfeit my chalek in Eretz Yisrael. That's what he means. The extra chalek. What does tamis mean? Says the Chazam Sofer, that's the pshat. If Chazal say it by chayu, when it comes to the Kaliv and Yehoshua, you could say the opposite here. That's what he means. And that's what makes sense because he's the Bechor. He's offering it. But says the Chazam Sofer, I'll be Mosef on this idea. What does Yaakov answer him? If this is the offer, offer, and assuming that Yaakov is understanding this offer by Ruvain, I'll lose my portion of Eretz Yisrael. Yaakov Heshiv. Bechar, what's the language of Yaakov? Bechar shoteh Banav heim below banai. We usually translate that as a rhetorical question. Right, what is he, a fool? Right, they're his sons and they're not my sons? Sham mechuvanu balashan teimav, chilo banai heim? Says the Chassam Sofer, ingeniously, it's a statement. It's a statement, and it's not a rhetorical question. It's a sentence. Yaakov is saying, they're your sons, they're not my sons. They're not Shvatim. Do not think that your sons are elevated to the status of Shvatim like Ephraim and Menashe. They're not. So it's a statement. He knew, Yaakov knew that Yosef was the, the, the one destined to get the double portion. Even though you might say that Yaakov didn't know that Yosef was still alive at this time. He at least knew that Reuben wasn't going to have it. Reuben ain't no that's why he called him a shote. What does shote here mean? It doesn't even mean fool. Where else do we have the word shote? Meaning something else. That's the chasam sofer. Kemo hadas shote. A hadas shote. What's a hadas shote? The Gemara in Sukkah. She'enenu bechar gomur. Shelo yelo pif shnei benachaz eritol. A hadas shote means not a regular normal hadas. So you're not a regular normal bechar. You are a biological Bechar, but you're not getting a double portion. You could say, I was supposed to marry Rachel first. That is a creative and ingenious Sam Sofer, a totally different shot of what the offer is. The offer is that children are not their lives being offered, but just their chilek in Eretz Yisrael being offered. That is what Ruvain is telling his father. And it's a statement. The next source I gave you, we're not going to read it inside, is basically verbatim. Just find it interesting. The Torah Tamima quotes verbatim this idea of the Chassam Sofer, but he quotes it as his own. And the last two lines of the 
Torah Tamima, you see where it's underlined on the left side, he quotes the connection to Baba Basra, and he quotes that the uh, Ephraim Umanasha, he quotes the whole part. And then he quotes, La'achar shanim rabos, after many years, Shakasaftizeh, Hayisi, Be Vienna, I was in Vienna, Vihigili, Shem Echad, Mechach, Meir, Pressburg, and somebody from Pressburg told me, Kiagon, Chsam Sofer, Bixav, Nagabarayon Zeh. Chsam Sofer already wrote this. Okay. I just leave it, just give you that, uh, it's amazing if it was really, maybe it's just, it's mamish verbatim. It's exactly. But the Tartimim says he got it, and then he heard that the Chsam Sofer has it as well. Okay. One final idea related to this, and then we'll move on to other to other issues. And that is from Sternbach. Sternbach really just quotes taking the word the Psukim Kipshuta, but then he quotes one idea at the end, which is really food for thought, just a ha'ara that maybe many have thought of before, but I uh, thought it was interesting. Sternbach quotes the question of all, you know, how is it possible that uh, Reuven would offer his his uh, his sons? And he quotes that Ruvain, similar, quotes on line 6, Ruvain, He quotes that from the Silent uh, Chassam Sofer. But then he quotes on line 8. He says, it's a strange offer, but Ruvain is trying just to express how pained he will be in if this occurs. That's all he's doing. Number one, we have the Orachayim HaKadosh. Number two, we have the Chassam Sofer. Slash Torah Tamima. Number three, we have this idea. Small. Shem binyamin yilakach. If binyamin is taken, Tsaro shal ruven yiagadol kolkach. I'm committing to you, Abba. My pain will be so great as if. Ki'ilu Yaakov yamishnei banav. You're not, I'm not offering you to kill. I know you're their grandfather. What, the Zaidi? We're going to have like in the, the, the grand, grandchild, grandfather? No. But Yeruvain's saying, it'll be, imagine how painful that would be. That's the pain I'm going to feel. He's just giving a mushal. He's not giving literal. There wouldn't be any greater tsar. It's just offering. You see the pain? So I'm telling you, I'm, I, I wouldn't want to go through this pain for the rest of my life. So therefore, I'll be Moser Nefesh. If Binyamin is lost, Yaakov will end up having lost two sons. Reuben saying, it'll be painful on me like I lost two sons. You can imagine how painful that's going to be. Because Yaakov could fathom it. Reuben's like, that pain will be mine. And therefore you know that I will cover. But then he quotes at the end, interestingly, line 15, V'nira lahazbir hadavar, She'ruvein lo haya be'es Yosef. Ruvain was not at the sale, as we know. As I'll say, it was his turn to take care of Yaakov. Ubizoar Kadash Mefurish Shaloyada Haemes Makarali Yosef Ashinis Galilefnaim Bibitsrayim. The Zohar says that Ruvain all those years never knew what happened. Right? He went, he came back, he didn't know what happened. Until a Mitzrayim, they start talking about it amongst themselves. He's blaming himself. Maybe I should have stayed with him. Maybe I shouldn't have let him do it. So, fascinatingly, when this whole exchange is taking place, it could be that Ruvain really didn't know what happened to Yosef. He says, I don't know what happened, but that's just the horror of the Zohar, that it could be during this whole, it puts it in a different light. 
During this whole exchange, it could be that Ruvain didn't even know. Okay, so we have the Arachayim HaKadosh, we have Puravu, Olam Azeb versus Olam Haba, that was different between Ruvain and Yehuda. Number two, we have the Chassam Sofer, he was giving away his Chelek in Eretz Yisrael, which again, we could take out, that's life. Chayim is a Chelek in Eretz Yisrael, which Chassam Sofer is, is uh, Chazal saying, Chassam Sofer is expanding upon, and we have Sternbach. Okay, two other ideas related to the Parsha, and then two other ideas related to Hanukkah. First, Rav Moshe. The end of the Parsha, we have the story of the Gavia, the story of the coast in the bag of Binyamin. Two thoughts related to this. What do the brothers say? Perak Memdalid, Pasik, Pasik Yud. Before, right before, Pasik Test, let's start. They say, what happened? How could you say that it was given to us? We would never steal from you. Wherever it's found, he shall surely die, and the rest of us will be avadim. Vayomer says Yosef, I agree with you totally, 100%. You're all going to become my slaves. He swishes. They say, we'll all be avadim. And Yosef says, exactly. Whoever, wherever it is, He's going to be my Evan and you'll go free. It's a little unclear. It's not Kid Divrechem Kenu. And they hurry up and, of course, who cannot feel? And we have to try to feel. Rev Salvechik says that during Kriyas Torah on Shabbos, that's the time to get into the story, to put ourselves in the story, to lose everything else around, lose all the Mepharshim, lose and just get into the text. Who, can't, who, who doesn't shake and tremble and cry when they read these last psukim at the end of Mikates and, and, and the suspense? We know what happened at the end. We, already, we read the last page before we opened the book. We know it from last year. But who doesn't shake and, and, and feel the emotion as, as they go through this? So says Rashi, says Rashi on Pasuk Yud, Yosef says, like your words, it is, like your words, it should be. Avzu min hadin emes kedivrechem kenu. Like your words, it should be shekulchem chayavet bedover. All of you are responsible. Asarashin nimseis kineva biyarechad mehem kulam nitfasim. Really, I should keep all of you. But Yosef's like, I will do with you a chesed. I will do with you a chesed. Avalani asel lachem lefnim mishuras hadin ashimati otobel vadi eli eved. I'll only take the one that took it. Okay. He does the mechesed. Ask a number of the Mepharshim, including Rav Moshe. This is a chesed. If there's a group and one person steals something, the whole group is responsible. The whole group is an accomplice to the crime, and therefore they also have to be punished? Ask Rav Moshe, after quoting Rashi. I don't understand this. Why Why is it? Why would... Why... Rashi goes, L'fnim is sure as I did. He's only going to keep the one who, who where the Gavia was found. That's not Lefim Meshur Sadin, that's Din. I mean Lefim Meshur Sadin. Says Ramosha, you know what we see from here. Vitzarach Lomar line 6. Sha'af bidei Adam e'ne enoshim. Even though on a Olam Hazer, a human level, only the person who did it. Avo be'etzem Lefimidas Hadin yesh bazeh o'avla al kulam. If somebody in my chevra, if somebody in my group does something wrong, I'm also held accountable. Why? If there's some type of behavior that is so disgusting, 
disgusting in my eyes. It's so low, the hashpa'ah from my feelings will overflow to my friends, will overflow to my sviva, and nobody would do that in my presence. Nobody would do that near me. They'll be influenced. If I felt so strongly, this is the concept of being being mashpia on those around. If I feel so strongly in this context about Geneva, if Geneva is so foreign, then my best friend that's always with me is not going to violate Geneva. If, especially if they're with me. And if they do, that's a reflection. That's a raya that what I'm doing is inappropriate. And I'm not being strong enough in my own feelings. People should be able to look at us and say, he, he or she believes in that. And that's something that we should do. That's something that we shouldn't do. Just by our behavior. And if I don't affect my friend, because I, I value something, but I'm embarrassed about it, I want to hide how I feel, even though I think it's the right thing, that's a riot that I don't deep down feel it's strong enough. Right? If I'm embarrassed, if I, if I want to be quiet about it, not in a condescending and, and haughty way. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about just in an emistic way. Mitzah, the Torah way, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's way should overflow out of my natural behavior. Says Rav Moshe, therefore, Me'ikr Adin, everybody's responsible. That's what Rashi says. Ultimately, you're all responsible. If a Geneva took place amongst you, then obviously all of you don't feel so strongly about Geneva. Does not punish. But we have to realize if somebody near us does something wrong, we have to look within ourselves. And we have to think, maybe I'm not as strongly in the right. I'm not as as connected to the beliefs that I must be connected in and I must improve myself and in that way hopefully improve others as well. Okay, one final thought on the Parsha. This is a, um, a larger thought. I gave you most of the article, a mimer that uh, Rav Rivlin has in a Sefer on Bracious, where he has an amazing Ha'ara. It's just uh, more of the Ha'ara. I didn't see too many um, Mepharshim make this Ha'ara, uh, but it's fascinating. Once you see the Ha'ara, it's, it's really, maybe many have wondered this before, like why? Let's see what he says. There are many times that there is an important detail that we're missing from a biblical story. And because we're missing that detail, we get a whole warped and incorrect understanding of a story that we're reading. Because we're missing one simple detail. Many times it has to do with the age, with the age of the person in question. There are various stories in Tanakh, he's going to bring two examples and then get to Nikates, where if we don't realize how old a person is, we'll just have a totally different idea of what's going on. The greatest example of this, Yitzchak. Akedas Yitzchak. 
The story of Ayera. When we're younger in elementary school, so what do we think? We have a little boy, little boy that Avram Avinu was told to Shech. Maybe he's giving him a piggyback ride on the way to the Akedah. Maybe he's, uh, you know, he's buying him some lollipops on the way. And he's going. Yitzchak has no idea what's going on. And he's not probably not even a lav bar, not even a bardas to understand. Avram saying, "Let's go, wonderful." He's young. And even maybe when he's getting tied down, right? That's why he says, Avraham." The test is Avraham's. It's not Yitzchak's, which is the topic of a separate shear. and who Yitzchak did nothing. Who built it? Yitzchak didn't help build the Mizbeach. Vayivin Shom Avram is a Mizbeach. Vayaruch has a Eitzav. Vayakod is Yitzchak Beno. Why did Yitzchak help tie up himself? Vayasim also a Mizbeach. Okay, he's a little kid. That's the impression that many of us and our children get in the story of the Akedah. And we don't realize that Yitzchak is 37 years old when the Akedah takes place. And he could surely have overtaken his father, who is very, very old, right? He was even more than Mayavasrim, right? He was an old man. And he's going with Yitzchak, and he ties Yitzchak down, and he takes him. And Yitzchak was a smart, a smart man. Think he didn't get the whole thing? He didn't understand it? But if we don't realize his age, we miss the whole story. We miss the godless. One example. Another example. He quotes from Sefer Shmuel, Shmuel Aleph, the parak that describes the anointing of Shaul HaMelech. Shaul HaMelech. How old was Shaul when he was anointed? Rov Mechlach Alon Demarichat Gilo Ben Shaul Ben 15 to 20 Shana. Rav Rivlin says he's asked this question to thousands of Talmidim. He wrote that in the footnote. He's giving the shir, he says, for decades. And whenever he talks about this, he asks the crowd, how old was Shaul? He said he's never gotten an answer close. He says, people guess. 50, well, how old are you when you can become king? 50 to 20. It says he was a bachur. And, and Shaul was so humble and hiding that you get the impression that he's like a little, he's not, he's not old. But he says, if you do the math, if you do the math, Shaul was only king for two years. Right? If you do the math, Shaul was at least 50. He was at least 50 years old. He was probably 60. He was king for two years. His son, his Boshes, was 40. So how old was Shaul? He had a 40-year-old son. He was king for two years. Right? He had a son who was 38 years old when he was anointed. So how old was Shaul? I mean, you want to say they got married young in those days? Still, how old was he? So if you think about it, Bachur there doesn't mean Bachur, but it means Nivchar. Just do the simple math. Says Rav Rivlin, if you were missing an element of a story, especially the age, 
we miss the understanding of the entire story. So with this Hagdama, he says, let me ask a simple question. How old was Binyamin in this story? How old was Binyamin? Line 21. This little brother, if we would ask, how old was Binyamin? Binyamin, little kid, Binyamin, doesn't say a word. They're all worried about him, the conversations about him. You know, he doesn't understand what's going on. Maybe they're speaking a different language, he doesn't understand. Right? They're doing it. They're speaking Yiddish. She doesn't understand it. Twelve times in the story, he's called the Ach HaKatan. Twelve times. How old was he? We think he's three or four years old. They're all worried. Maybe he's going to catch a cold. Make sure he's bundled up. He wears his hat on the way. Yaakov's so worried about him. Yosef sees him for the first time after 22 years. He says, is this my little brother that you told me about? And he says, And if we would be writing the Torah, we would add, He pinched his cheek. Right? We would have added that into the Torah. But if you think about it, it's a totally wrong picture. It's totally incorrect. When they go down to Egypt, just a short time later, Binyamin goes down with his ten sons. His ten sons. How old you got to be to have ten sons? Ubenet Binyamin, Bela, Becher, Ashbel, Geram, we know. They were all names about Yosef. Bela, Shenivla, Bena, Umos, Becher, he was Bechor, Ashbel, all of them. Right? Echi, he was my brother. Mupim, Bechupim, he wasn't at my chuppah. Darko, Shalalam, Sha'avla, sorry, Yeladim, Karavli, Otsaba. Somebody has ten sons, he's usually like a, a grandfather. Close to being a grandfather. Gamim, Enatar, Mefareta, that Gilosha, Binyamin, we don't know exactly. Lachora, he's about 30, says Rev. Rivlin. He's not younger than that. I don't know if he had twins or more than that, multiples. But either way, katan here doesn't mean a baby. Katan means the youngest. doesn't matter how old you are. My father, I may have asked him, right? He's the katan in his family, right? And he's not, uh, he's not, he's not a baby anymore. Right? It's all relative. It's all relative. So that's Ha'ara number one. Maybe message number one is that we should always try to make sure that we have all the facts in the biblical stories. Number one. But then he goes on to ask a simple, simple question. If Binyamin was in his 30s, or around that time, it's amazing that he doesn't say a word in the entire story, the entire Mikates, Vayigash. He doesn't say a word. Who put this in my knapsack? He doesn't say a word. The brothers are talking. I'll be fine, Abba. Don't worry about it. I'm big and strong. He doesn't say a word. He's a mature man. He has ten kids. He doesn't say a word. It's an unbelievable horror. He doesn't say anything. Let's continue. He says they took the kid they, as, as if they treat him as if 
Line 11. Umam manche shotakas af ben yamin. Ma kesef balkarcho af ben yamin. Balkarcho. Hemu schorad im keres pashuk. Is this, is he a merchandise? You take ben yamin, we'll take ben yamin. He's an object? Him kashro toko mashe kashro as Yosef. Did they tie him up and... What is going on? The Torah does not mention an iota of information. What was Binyamin feeling? Was he scared? Was he upset? Was he angry? Nothing. Nothing. Right? Yosef, the Torah describes that Yosef was scared of his brothers. Torah describes, right? He says, your brothers are, are, are there. And he says, Hineni, I'm ready to go anyway. I know it's dangerous. Binyamin, not a word. Ein hatanach, right? Skip a line. Binigul, migrasha, Yosef, kan. Ein hatanach, mazgirat, machshavot, midyamin, virkshotav. We know nothing about him. Later on, he gets the extra portions. Nothing. Line 36. Vashtikaro, emet yotebi, sipar agavia. Right, with the knapsack and the, and the coasts. Where it's even most blatant, he doesn't say a word. What's the message? What's the message? See, even before we answer it, Binyamin had two famous descendants that also practice shtika. Turning over, line two, Ein Esther Magedes. Esther Hamalka kept her identity private. Didn't tell where she was from. Malamed shetafsa plach shtika baatzma kerachel ziknasa shetafsa plach shol shtika amdu kol gedoli zara b'shtika rachel tafsa plach shol shtika rasa silono sebi adachosav shotek is rachel kept quiet. I'm sorry, it was Ra- right. One more Binyamin. So it was Esther. And skip a few lines. Shaul dvar malucha lo higid. Even if he was anointed, he didn't tell anybody. He was such an anav. So it's in the family. The midah of shtika. And it's not that he didn't have anything to say. And this is already in the Midrashim. What was the stone of Binyamin on the breastplate, on the Choshen? The Yashve. The Yashve. Yesh Peh. He had what to say. But he still overcame, as Pirkei says, Lomatsasi Guftov Yosem Mishtika. Sometimes, even if we have what to say, it's good to keep quiet. It's good to not to say it. Remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about one of the four people who the Gemara says never sinned. Binyamin. Yesh Peh. He had what to say. Rav Ruvlin at the end even connects it to to his name, Binyamin Ben Oni. Ben Oni has to do with Avelos, and Avel doesn't talk. Even in the name, the Mahus of Binyamin, you have it. But the Ha'ara is 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 what's primary here. Okay, we've got to think, do more research. Rav Rivlin's uh, suggestion is the, is the Shtika itself element is Amida and Binyamin. But again, the uh, the Ha'ara that he that he doesn't say anything is uh, is very important. Okay, let's get to Hanukkah. Two ideas related to Hanukkah from two of the greats. First, we have Rav Zevin. Zevin in source number 12 tells us, Or, O, Ur. Light, it sounds better, it's better in Hebrew. Or, or, O, Ur. In English, it would be light or fire. She'ela zu yish la'sig b'ner Hanukkah. When we think about ner Hanukkah, and the reason we have to light a candle, 
What was the root of the Takanas Chazal? What did they enact? Ma mitzvasa, lahadlik esh, o lahasos or. To make a fire or to make light? What's the difference? Matzinu mitzvah ve'esh. We know there are mitzvahs with H and mitzvahs with R. The mitzvah daraisa every single day in the base of Megdash, H tamid, tukan al mezbeach lo Light a fire on the mezbeach. What's the mitzvah of fire? And on the other hand, we know Ner Shabbos. Ner Shabbos. Mitzvah is a candle. Ner Shabbos. Shalom bayis. That's or. The ikr is or there, not the fire itself, but it's the light. That's why there's a whole shiloh. If you have light, how do you make a bracha on Shabbos candles? But what about Ner Hanukkah? We have fire and we have light. But what's the ikr? Kishetimsi Lomar suggests Rav Zevin, maybe this is the machlokas between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel. The famous machlokas regarding Hilchas Hanukkah, whether we light from 8 to 1, the Shita of Beis Shammai, or from 1 to 8, the Shita of Beis Hillel. How does that connect to fire or or? Ha'or mishamish bitu l'ner mitzvah v'torah or. General, if we think of light, light is something positive. Light adds. Light makes me able, gives me the ability to do something that I wouldn't have been able to do without the light. Light is totally chiyuvi, unless I want to go to sleep. But in general, light is positive. Light, the or of Torah, to spread it, to make it, farseem it. That's or. But on the other hand, if we think about fire, turning the page, yes, there are positive purposes of fire, but ultimately the root of fire is biur, is destruction, is ridding. Kilayon hara. Ha'isso refesu mev'eretz es kochos hara shebenefesh ada penima. Fire burns up what's there. Uvi'arta hara mikirbecha. Sometimes it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to do it, to remove something. Ha'isso refesu mechale. Es kochos hara, polim bolam kulo. There's esh and there's or. Says Rav Zevin, both occurred in the Hanukkah story. The Yavanim at first, sorry, the Chashmonayim came and first they had to be Mavair the Ra. They had to get rid of the Tumma in the base on Migdash. They had to get rid of the Misiavnim, Rahman al Islam. There were civil wars in the times of Hanukkah. It wasn't just Rabbim Tameim Batahorim. Some of the Tameim were Jews, Misiavnim, who believed in Greek culture and forgot Torah. So there was, be, there was Aish, there was Biur. But then, of course, after they got rid of all the negative, they had to be Metaher. They had to spread the R. They had to light the menorah. They had to be Mepharsim, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu helped them do. So both occurred in the Hanukkah story. The question is, what, therefore, is the Takana of Ner Hanukkah? What was the Kavana of Chazal? Was it the part one of the fight or part two? After the fight, was it getting rid of the Ra or was it being Mosif Or? Suggest Rav Zevin, that's Beshamai and Beshilel. Beshamai says, 8 to 1. Because the more you light, the more that's destroyed. He says, it's the Aish, the Bior Hara, you have a lot. And then day by day, you get rid of it, you get rid of it until there's nothing left. The Ra is totally gone. Sur Me Ra, that's Beshamai. Beshilel says, no. 
The focus is the R of Torah. The focus is the light of inspiration that inspires all those that spread from the menorah. It's the R is one to eight. And the more R there is, the more inspiration there is, the more light there is. That's Beis Hillel's way. That's Beis Shammai and that's Beis Hillel. Elu ve'elu. Eight to one and one to eight. We take the messages of both. But that's what's the root at root. That's what's at root of their of their shitas. He even says maybe this could even also explain the Gemara that we know in Masechah Shabbos Taflamad Aleph, where a potential convert comes to Shammai and says, "Teach me all of Torah." A couple of stories. Teach me all of Torah on one foot. Teach me all of Torah on the that I want to be the Kohen Gadol. All these stories. And each time, Bishamay says, what are you doing? Get out of here. Not interested. And Bishillel says, no, I'll teach you. He starts. Because Bishamay believes, first you've got to be Mavar the Ra. You can't just jump in. You've got to change. You've got to move. You've got you to become a new person. Before you have the Or of Torah. You have the beer. You have the Aish. And Bishillel says, no, just take the Or. Take the or. That's what that's what the focus is. And those are the two. Those are the two that we have. And the last three words says Rav Zevin is halacha kebeis hillel. We learn the messages of both, but halacha is like beis hillel. We focus on the takana of or. And finally, one other idea related to Hanukkah from Rav Avram Shor. Halakha valibuf. By the way, a new a new uh, safer bracious came out by Rav Avram Shor. Four or five years worth of Torah, just braces, just came out, just received it. But this is from his, uh, this is from his commentary on Hanukkah. If you want to look it up, it's Sefer Amin Memalf, and it's Sefer on Hanukkah. Says the Medrash, Isa the Medrash, Shahayavanim Gazru Shakomisha Maskir Shmosh Lakadash Barachu Yidaka Becherev. One of the Xeris of the Yavanim was that you were not allowed to mention God. Couldn't mention God. Thank God, they'd kill you. Bezos Hashem, they'd kill you. We weren't allowed to mention God. Period. Couldn't mention Him. Right? The says, Kiswa Karen Ashar, Yisrael. Right on the horn of the oxen. We've spoken in the past. That was the ancient bumper stickers. Right? The Karen Ashar. Stick on the, right on the bumper sticker. That's what defines who we are. So you have to write, Yisrael. So they said, No shame Hashem. You couldn't write it in Shtaris. You couldn't write Pesiat the Shmai on top Baruch Hashem. You couldn't say Shem Hashem. Ukeshigavar Malchus Chashbonah Benischam when the Chashbonah with the help of Hakadosh Baruch Hu were were victorious. His kinu sheyim askirim Shem Shemayim afilu b'shtaris. They were goes there. You have to mention God everywhere. You're writing a star. You got to mention it. They they would did they did the opposite. You Yavon wanted to uproot it, and Chashbonah said no. Put it back in. Says the Rav sure interesting. Even in Al Hanisim, you seem to have a focus. What do we say? What's the last line? To your great name. Your great name? It's not such a common phrase. What's the emphasis of Why dafka here? Godol. My kavanah Godol. What is Godol? Godol means he's a shem amafurish. Shema Gado, white Shema what's what's Shema Mafurish? So he quotes, he quotes from the from the Binyi Shlomo. Let's skip a couple of lines. Line 26. Let me get to the root of why they went against mentioning Shema Hashem. 
It's Lamaisa. The Gemara tells us it's a Mishnah. In the last parak of Brachas, the Mishnah says, Boaz, one of the Shoftim, thousands of years ago, Whenever we go over to say to somebody and say Shalom Aleichem, we're fulfilling a Takanan to Rabbanan going back to Boaz thousands of years ago. Boaz said, when you greet somebody, greet somebody with Shem Hashem. Hashem Hashem That's Shalom Aleichem. Hashem is Shalom and Hashem Imachem. And they answered, Yivrech Hashem. Aleichem Shalom. That's a Takana. Takana Kavua. Why? Why did Boaz, one of the great Shoftim, Boaz, the great, 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 great grandfather, right of David Melech. What was he so interested? What do you to, when you see somebody, just say hi. What Shalom Aleichem? And the Yavanim knew that there was a power to it, and therefore they said you can't do it. They said you can't do it. You could say hi, you can't say Shalom Aleichem. Why? They dafka uprooted the takana Boaz. Why? What's so special? about saying Shalom Aleichem. <laughs> Let me explain. Who were these harvesters that Boaz was talking to in the field? Who were these harvesters? Were these, these the great Sadiqim that were sitting in the base mattress? No. They were lowly from the lower strata of society. Boaz told Rus, don't get involved with them, they're not such good people. And he wants to, Boaz said to them, Hashem imachem. What's the message? Hashem aleichem. Hashem shalom aleichem. Hashem imachem. God is with you. You're awesome. You're at Selim Elohim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a relationship with you. Shalom Aleichem. I believe in you. You're a special person. That's what Shalom Aleichem does. But Kala Takana Haya. The Takana was to give Chizuk to the recipient of this statement. Bechdesha Yeda Kol Yehudi. HaChashivus Shalom. The Chashivus of every Jew. Ki Alav Ra'ui Kadala. You're saying Hashem's name to me? Really? You believe in me? Every Jew is connected to God. Like we say, We say it. We say it on Yantif. That was the root of the Takana. Boaz said he wants every Jew to give chizik to each other. To tell each other, I believe in you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu believes in you. Don't forget HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Skip down a couple of lines, line 10. If we know the kochos that Hashem gives us, if we know how amazing we are inside, we'd be different people. We just don't know what we could do until we're forced to do it. Until Ain Brera. Until we have, we have to work hard because there's a deadline. We don't know. We don't know what we could do if we push ourselves. Once I had a Rebbe that once said that one of his Talmudim came over to him after working for five, six years. And he said that, uh, you know, Rebbe, I've never worked so hard. He was in law school. So Rebbe, he said, okay, gives him chizik. Then afterwards, he told us this story. He says, you know, I, I had a little chalisha zadas. Why do you work so hard there? He didn't work so hard in yeshiva. It shows that he can work so hard. 
But we, we have, to, have to know our power. Each one of us is, has so many kochos Hashem gave. Ki adam kamu If we know, we'd overcome the challenges. We'd overcome the nisyonos. And the Yavanim knew this. And that's why they wanted to get rid of it. No shalom aleichems. No vayom alakosim Hashem imachem. We want the Jews to be depressed. We want the Jews to think they're nothing. We want the Jews to think that they have no special relationship with God. Mila, Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, Shem Hashem. I did bit Hashem. Right, each of those mitzvot, as we know, as many Mepharshim explain, as he does, they all reflect that a Jew is different. That a Jew is different. We have a Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, we have a calendar. But our holidays are different than other holidays. They're different than any other religious holidays. How we spend our holidays our holidays are sanctified. They're not just parties. They're special. There's a Kedushas Hayom. Rorach B'nishmazo Shal Yudhiyesh Kedusha, line 26. Not only does the Neshama of a Jew have Kedusha, Rakam Gufo Shal Yehudi, the Gufo of a Jew has Kedusha, the Chol Gufo Yimitziyas Acheretz, we're different. Our physical bodies are different, Prismila. The way we spend our weekends are different. The way we have our calendar and the way we talk. Shem Shamayim Shagur Beficha. Throughout, look throughout the Torah. How did Yitzchak know something was fishy? Because Yaakov said Shem Hashem. Esau doesn't usually say Shem Hashem. Right? Paro says, who is this? Because Yosef says Shem Hashem. It comes up all the time. Shalom Aleichem. Emir Tzashem. Shalom Aleichem is on the other person. But that's what they wanted to uproot. And Baruch Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, help the Chashmonim be victorious. And why are we allowed today? We shouldn't take it for granted. We're able, besides all the mitzvahs that we could do, the fact that we could talk and in our regular conversation we could use Shem Hashem, that is a tremendous gift and something that we have to be makritov to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for. So let us all try to internalize. The message is just a simple Shalom Aleichem, a simple... Simple Amir Tzashem. Hashem, we should be zochet to a, to a fulfilling Chanukah and be zochet to the sea, not just the Chanukiyot in our windows, but to see the menorah of the Beis HaMikdash being lit by the Kohan.